Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome to week four of Women in Horror Month. Including tonight, we're only two episodes away from the end of our Women in Horror feature and from our Changing Seasons Flash Fiction Contest. I'm dreadfully thankful to those of you who have stepped up to save, or maybe even in spite of the fact you'd be helping to save, my threatened digits. Thanks to your submissions, Meredith and the slush-reading crew seem a little less bitey than they did a couple of weeks ago, and with your help, I'm hoping we can keep it that way until the finish line. So, if that twisted tale of the switching seasons is still swirling around in the cobwebs of your imagination, or if you've been warring with yourself about whether or not to unleash it into the world, please... Do all of us a favor and set it free. You'll not only gain some fresh space in the attic, but have the chance at $50 and to be featured on the show, too. And, like it or not, help me keep all my fingers in peak podcasting form. TalesToTerrify.com slash Flash Contest has the details and a link to where you can submit. And now, let's see what fresh female frights Meredith has to share with us this evening. Good evening, children of the night. Welcome to the fourth episode of 2023's Women in Horror Month. Last year, I discussed important themes in horror written by women. 
This year, it's my honor to introduce you to five writers making their terrifying horror novel debuts. Each week, I'll spotlight a new author adding her voice to the great halls of horror fiction. This week's debuting author spotlight falls on Amy Goldsmith and her debut novel, Those We Drown. Amy Goldsmith grew up on the south coast of England, obsessed with obscure 70s horror movies and antiquarian ghost stories. She studied psychology at the University of Sussex and, after gaining her postgraduate certificate in education, moved to inner London to teach. Now she lives back on the South Coast, where she still teaches English and spends her weekends trawling antique shops for haunted mirrors. Those We Drown is her first novel. Here's a little bit about Amy's debut, Those We Drown, to be published in July 2023 by Penguin Random House. It should have been the trip of a lifetime. When Liv lands an all-expenses-paid opportunity to study aboard the luxury cruise ship the Eos for a semester, she can't believe her luck, especially since it will offer her the chance to spend time with Will, her ex-best friend, who's barely spoken to her since the night their friendship changed forever. But as soon as she steps on board, Liv realizes just how far in over her head she is, with Will, with the rest of the Seamaster students, including the brittle and beautiful Constantine who may be hiding his own ties to the Eos, and most of all with the Sirens, three glamorous and mysterious influencers who seem to have the run of the ship. Liv quickly discovers that the only reason she was invited to join the trip is because another girl disappeared shortly after enrolling, and no one seems to know what happened to her. When further disappearances rock the ship and strange creatures begin haunting Liv's dreams, she wonders, is the Eos hiding a dark secret in its watery depths? The truth will come at a price. Only, how much is Liv willing to pay? You can pre-order Those We Drown at Penguin Random House. Links will also be in the show notes. And remember that you can help aspiring ghouls like Amy, not only by buying these books, but with reviews on Goodreads, Amazon, and wherever else you lurk. And now, let's see who's hiding behind that creaky old door. Thank you, Meredith. My reading list's been growing faster than I can keep up this month. I'm just glad I'll have some time to clear out the shelf before some of these novels release. And until they do, we've got plenty of our own frights to spill into your ears. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. 
We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. We have one tale for you this evening, which comes to us from Evelyn Freeling. Evelyn Freeling is a speculative fiction writer and short fiction publisher in anthologies with Ghost Orchid Press and Dark Dispatch. Her most recent story can be found in The Dead Inside Anthology, edited by Laurel Hightower. She's also an associate editor with Haven Spec Magazine and the editor for the erotic horror anthology Les Petites Morts, out in 2023. Children of the Night, join me for Evelyn Freeling's Together Forever, first published in Beyond the Veil, an anthology of supernatural queer horror, by Ghost Orchid Press, February 2022. As the pastor drones on, I tilt my pounding head towards the sky, a slab of pure cobalt stretching over the cemetery as far as the eye can see. I grimace as Jen's mom rubs my back, slicking my black dress against my sweating skin. It's not her fault. At least, that's what I tell myself as I force a wan smile, slip my sweater off and fan at my face cooling myself against the sweltering sun. Jen would absolutely hate this. She was born and raised in the Yukon, the second oldest territory of Canada. Dreamt of Hollywood and California sunshine all her life. But when she finally got here, she spent every day complaining about the heat and longing for home. That was Jen for you. Incessantly discontent as if being dissatisfied breathed life into her. My only consolation at this moment is that she'll spend eternity rotting away under the hot sun she so despised. I brace myself as the pastor prompts me to make my eulogy. Normally, I think I would do this in a church, but Jen was atheist and her parents don't want to disrespect the Lord. Their words... It should be her parents making the eulogy, 
but they insisted I do it. She loved you so much, Ellie. Again, their words. Hands trembling, I clear my throat. All of her people are here. Her family flew all the way from Canada. Her agent, publicist, everyone who's ever worked with her. Every director, co-star, producer stands before me. Even the college friends she burned bridges with years ago have slinked out of the woodwork. I would have preferred to bury her alone, if only so I could spit on her coffin. But here we are, all together. They watch me expectantly, waiting for me to play the grieving girlfriend. But I'm not Jen's girlfriend anymore. I haven't been for an hour since before she died, technically. And the tears won't come. I bury my face in my hands. Shit. Behind the black curtains of my closed eyes, all I can imagine is coming home two nights ago, opening my apartment door and standing on the threshold. Jen sat on the couch a few feet from where I stood, her head lolled over the back of the sofa, the top of her skull blown wide open, her scalp turned to pulp and clinging to her long brown hair. Blood and brain matter splattered across the brand new taupe carpet runner I had spent half a grand on one month prior, and the white wall beyond. I didn't cry then either. Instead, I screamed. You bitch! You stupid! Petty bitch! She always had to have the last word. I can do this. I have to do this. Taking a deep breath, I squint at the chicken scratch I scribbled on a scrap of paper last night while I was shit-faced. Regretting both the years of my life and the bottle of Elijah Craig that I wasted on her, I read the cocktail of half-truths and blatant lies I concocted. We're here today to remember Jen. Anyone who had the privilege of knowing her would say she was a special person who lit up every room she walked in. She was funny, passionate about her art, relentlessly empathetic to others. It's a load of crap. I know it. They know it. Her acting was hardly art, and she did it for the money and attention. She could be funny, I guess, but usually in a way that was borderline cruel. I almost choked on the last part, because Jen was about the most self-absorbed person to ever exist. Literally. There could be a famine in some faraway country, and Jen would find a way to make it about her. Yet everyone nods along dabbing away at the tears sliding down their cheeks. I can feel Jen grinning from beyond the grave, listening to me aggrandize her, and that makes me want to puke. Anyone who knew her would also know that Jen was unwell. She suffered from mental illness her entire life. Depression is a cancer. It ate away at her for years until she couldn't stand it any longer. Jen didn't suffer from mental illness. She reveled in it. She drank herself to oblivion almost nightly, 
I can't count the number of times I had to carry her back to her car or drive around Los Angeles looking for her, praying I didn't find her passed out in a ditch somewhere. I begged and begged her to get help, but she would laugh and say, Everyone has depression. If you don't, you're lying or you're not paying attention. This is who I am. I have to live with it, and so do you. She didn't suffer. She didn't struggle. Sometimes I doubted she was truly depressed. Sometimes I thought she liked the demand her perpetual downward spiral put on me. I know how that makes me sound. I know I'm not supposed to think these things, not about someone who's killed themselves, but it's the truth. At least, my version of it. Every morning after I saved her from her drunken antics, she would beam and throw her arms around me. My hero. That was what she called me. Her hero. In her memory, I would like to ask everyone to support your local mental health organization with a donation. Let's make sure this isn't the end of Jen's story. Let's turn this tragedy into something good, even if only a little. Everyone nods along. I take a final look at her closed coffin, at the maple grain refracting my pale, dry face, and silently wish her an eternity burning in hell. When I return to the row of mourners, Jen's mom hugs me. I want to slap her, to tell her she raised a monster and she shares the blame in all of this. But I don't. It's not her fault, not really. Just like it isn't my fault. Jen only wants me to feel it is. After I told her we were over, that she needed to pack her things and be out of my apartment by the time I arrived back, just before I slammed the door in her face, she swore I would live to regret breaking up with her. She had threatened it before, every time I tried to end things with her. I admit I no longer took her seriously. But am I to blame? No. I'm not, Jen. Taking your life was your choice, it's not my job to live with it. I don't feel guilty. The only misery you've inflicted is that I have to spend the rest of my life pretending we were still together in the end, so nobody else will blame me. Maybe none of us will say it aloud, but I'll say it to you if you're out there somewhere. Good fucking riddance. After her funeral... I returned to my apartment for the first time since I found the body and the paramedics carted her off to the morgue. Silence weighs down the air, the door eking open with a high-pitched whine. The spray of her blood and chunks of brain block the entrance, as though she's laughing at me from beyond the grave. This is the toll I must pay to enter my own home. I drop to my knees and roll the runner up, march down the hall toward the window on the opposite end and throw it open. Light and warmth stream through. Already I feel better. I toss the carpet out and only think to glance for pedestrians afterwards. Filling a pot with soapy water, 
I spend the next hour scrubbing gin off my walls and out of the raw wood floorboards, suffocating on the fetid sweetness of her innards putrefying for days. It wasn't always bad. Relationships never are. We had our good times, but in hindsight, the warning signs were always there. On our second date, before her career blew up, we went to a movie. She was embarrassingly obnoxious, loudly remarking about the special effects, shouting at the characters. I hid behind my hand as people around us glared our way. It was only halfway through that I realized she was wasted. That should have been the end of it for me. I don't remember why it wasn't, why I wrote it off. There's a splash of blood the size of a quarter that soaked into the wood for good. My lease on this apartment isn't up for another six months. Maybe my landlord will show me some sympathy. I suppose the my-girlfriend-killed-herself card could have its uses. Ex-girlfriend. I correct myself aloud. I give up on the stain and rinse my hands in the sink, washing the last pieces of gin down the drain. Now I can put her behind me, once and for all. I crawl into bed. Sleep is the best remedy for most things. I should feel better than I do. I'm free now, aren't I? It doesn't feel that way. It's as though she's still here, lying next to me, whispering in my ear. If you don't blame yourself, why are you so afraid everyone else will? I wake up to a finger of moonlight moving across my closed eyelids. Not moving. Flickering. As if something or someone is pacing next to my bed. My eyes peel open. I strain my ears against the rush of blood in my head. Floorboards creak. Or perhaps it's the walls, expanding and contracting. The flickering light merely a palm tree outside, swaying in and out of the moonbeam. That's it, I think, closing my eyes and willing myself back to sleep. The bed rustles and sinks, as though someone just lay down next to me. My skin tingles along the bare crook of my neck, across my collarbone, like a phantom hand tenderly grazing me. I leap out of bed, onto my feet and stand there, panting, skin still tingling. I know that touch. It was the same way Jen would wake me up to make love. She'd trace her fingers from my collarbone down to my belly button in... My stomach tingles now, a slow, concentric circle drawing smaller and smaller towards my navel. Screaming, I bolt into the bathroom. The lights buzz on. I press my back into the wall and watch the brass knob of the door, half expecting it to jiggle and rattle. Mercifully, it doesn't. I sigh and collapse to the white and black tiled floor, dizzy with fear. Of course she isn't here haunting me. 
If she could, I'm sure she would. But I don't believe in crap like that. Do I? No, of course not. It's all in my head. This is exactly what she hoped for. I imagine her now, crouching in front of me, her green eyes sparking with glee as she sneers. If you don't feel guilty, why are you afraid I'm still here? I balance myself back onto my feet and splash cold water against my face. As I pat it dry, my face buried in a hand towel, eyes closed, Something cool breezes against my shoulder. A breath blown through narrowed lips. I shiver and can't stop as I lower the towel and raise my eyes to the square mirror in front of me. Only the shut door, the light switch, and a bathrobe hanging on the wall. No Jen. No shit, Ellie, I tell myself. Jen is dead, gone, forever. The exposed bulbs around the mirror quiver. I brace for the dark, but they glow back on. It's all in my head. I can tell myself it isn't my fault all I want, but true as that may be, it doesn't prevent me from feeling guilty on some level. Strange. I haven't once wondered what more I could have done for her. I'm fairly certain I did everything I could. Yet, here I am, jumping at every sound, picturing her next to me, snickering, whispering. We'll be together forever. You'll never get rid of me now. I can even smell her amber perfume. Clearly, my guilty subconscious is playing tricks on me. A call to my therapist will sort that out. For tonight, I need to sleep. I lumber back into my bedroom, but hesitate to climb in bed. Now, whenever I look at it, I remember Jen telling me countless times how much she adored it, how safe she felt sleeping in it. She owned a mansion in the Palisades, but stayed with me most nights, always complaining how alone that palace made her feel. A few years have passed since she first slept over. The shape of her body is practically embedded into the mattress now. There's no way I'm going to fall asleep tonight. Not here. I spring for the nearest motel. Technically, it's the second nearest, the motel that's a mile closer is tainted. Jen and I stayed there for a week after a pipe in the apartment above mine broke and flooded my ceiling, long before she ever bought her house. This place is a run-down little shithole, tainted with many things, I'm sure, but at least not with her. A television with basic cable, a wardrobe, and one bedside table with a lamp whose bulb seems ready to give up the ghost any second now. I leave it on, hoping it will last long enough for me to fall asleep. Before I can rest my eyes, my phone trills. I glance at the clock and groan. One in the morning. Who in the hell would call at this hour? 
A number I don't recognize. Of course. Hello? I figured you wouldn't be able to sleep at night anymore, a woman says. My body empties. I swear I can feel my soul lifting out of me, drifting to the ceiling. Whoever this is, she sounds just like Jen. There can't be reception in hell, though. Can there? Excuse me? I can't sleep either. Who is this? Judy. Jen's mom. Oh, I say, already wanting to hang up. Hi, how are you? Are you seriously asking that question? I almost have to laugh. It is an asinine question to ask someone who's grieving. Look, she sighs. There is a point to this call. I thought about what you said today, and you're right. I want to do something, to make some good of this. Well, I wanted to. I made a donation to this organization. Colors? Have you heard of it? They help provide mental health services to people like Jen. Like you. Queers? I snort. Uh, yeah... Exactly. Anyway, my donation was quite sizable, but they said I could do even more for them by doing a spot of publicity, raise awareness. I can't bear to do it. You know how I am with that kind of stuff. I really don't. Jen barely spoke to her parents. I met them once before she died, over an awkward hour-long dinner at a Chinese place. Well... You were so wonderful today, and you were so much closer to Jen than I was in her final years. I really think it ought... I'm sorry. I know what you're going to ask, but I can't. I just can't. She falls quiet. For a moment, I think she hung up. But she sniffles, breaking our shared silence. She's crying. I should have tried harder to stay close to her. I keep thinking, if I had, maybe. Judy, it wasn't your fault. Then whose was it? Who could have prevented this? Me. Nobody, I say. Nobody? I just can't accept that. Don't you understand? I have to believe she could have been helped. I have to believe that we can help the Jens who are growing up now. She thinks Jen killed herself because she was troubled, because she was bullied in high school. It's laughable. She was gorgeous growing up, never had an awkward stage to speak of, prom queen. Troubled, sure, but she killed herself out of spite. Revenge. I don't have the heart to tell Judy, though. And more than anything, I want to sleep. What do they want me to do? An interview. Tomorrow. At her place. Fine. You're an angel. 
be there by noon? I blew out air, feeling absolutely defeated. Sure. Dial tone. She refused to let me go in life, but somehow Jen's chokehold on me in death is stronger, even more unrelenting. I shut my eyes and fight myself to sleep. Screech. A scratching at the curtained window sends a chill dancing down my spine. I won't let her frighten me for the rest of my life. I throw the blankets off and march to it, hand wrapped around the ugly floral printed fabric. I hesitate. Screech. Do I want to know? Perhaps it's better to suffer the noises of the night, wait them out until morning. There's no unlearning what you already know. Screech. Bracing for the worst, I fling them open. Standing before me is a pale woman, bedraggled with circles dark as Merlot under her eyes. I sigh, shaking my head at myself. With a dying light behind me, the darkened window is a mirror. I cut my hands against the cold glass and strain my eyes through the night. A half-empty parking lot, half a dozen sleeping cars, a palm tree swaying in the breeze. I imagined the sound. Just like I imagined Jen climbing into bed, initiating foreplay with me from the afterlife. Stepping away from the window, I freeze. My reflection and the one of the room behind me swims back into view. Looming over my shoulder, her brown hair bobbing next to my blonde, is Jen. Her lips part into a sneer. She unfurls her arms, laces them around my waist. Every hair on my body stands on end. I whirl around, but find myself alone. Jen? I call, voice catching in my throat. Silence. I'm losing my shit. That's it. Add this to the list for my next therapy session. Still, something inside me is unconvinced. I can feel her near, relishing in my torment. My heart won't slow. I hurry into the bathroom and draw a hot shower, let the water scald me back to reality, burn Jen from my memory. That's all this is. Memory. I haven't been alone, truly alone, in so long. She's like a phantom limb now that she's gone. I only think I can feel her presence because she welded herself into my life, into me. Toxic as our relationship was, it doesn't change the fact that Jen was a part of me for years. Now that she's gone, because she is, I need to give myself a little grace. That's all, I decide as I dry myself off. I turn to wipe the steam from the mirror, but shudder to a stop, my blood curdling in my veins. 
scrawled on the mirror. E plus J, forever, with a heart for a period. The air turns to lead. I can't breathe. I claw at my throat, gasping futilely. She's never going to leave me. She's so demented, so possessive, that she has managed to defy the law of physics, of biology, of heaven and hell. Stumbling over myself, I race around the room, tugging my clothes on, forgetting my shoes and wet hair. I burst outside, scramble through the parking lot, and put as much distance between myself and the hotel as I can. I don't sleep. I drive up and down the Pacific Coast Highway, from Dana Point to Malibu and back, until the sun peeks over the canyon and casts its soft morning light onto the waves breaking below. Avoid glancing in the rearview mirror the entire way, dread like a boulder in my chest. I sit in a coffee shop, watch the clock on the wall count the seconds. Every so often, the second hand stops in place, as if time is glitching. I can smell her, feel her enveloping me, even with all these people around. Strangers brush against me as they pass. I jolt. They apologize, shooting me perturbed glances. A woman with a pink pixie cut and thick false lashes walks in, sits at a table across from mine. She reads a tabloid. On the cover is a headshot of Jen, a headline in bold white letters. Jen Campbell, dead at 30. The woman uses a napkin to dab at the tears cutting rivers through her makeup. Strangers are mourning me better than you did, Jen hisses in my ear. Or maybe she doesn't. Maybe I'm hearing things. People do that when they snap, don't they? Realizing the time, I race to Jen's place in the Palisades. Judy will never forgive me if I don't show. I shouldn't care. I don't know why I do. Wincing as I walk through the oversized front door, I take the mansion in. The last time I was here, we had a horrible fight. A blowout. The kind of fight that would have necessitated neighbors phoning the cops if they were within earshot. But the properties in this neighborhood sprawl for a half acre each at minimum. It's just as I remember it. The foyer enters into a wide open space that connects the living room with its huge white brick fireplace, a dining room with a sculptural looking chandelier, and the kitchen complete with an island and two ovens. Blown up portraits of Jen line the walls, mostly from her favorite magazine spreads. Everywhere I move, her eyes follow me, glinting with accusation. Floor-to-ceiling windows peer into the backyard. One of them still has a massive hole, commemorating the escalation of our worst fight, when Jen heaved a chair at my head and narrowly missed thanks to my reflexes. 
I can't believe we have to do this here. But the camera crew has already arrived. A woman with glasses hurries me into Jen's office where hair and makeup have set station. I ask them to keep it basic. The makeup guy smiles sadly as he explains he's using waterproof everything. They're going to be disappointed if they're banking on tears from me. He rambles on as he flutters a soft bristled brush over my face about what a fan he was of Jen's work, how sorry he is for my loss. There's no polite way to tell someone to shut up, but under his incessant chatter, a noise pricks my ears. I shoot my hand up, and he falls silent. A woman screaming. Distantly. Muffled. And it sounds as though it's coming from below us. Do you hear that? I ask. He listens, frowning. Hear what? That woman. That scream. I stand and wander out of the office, ignoring his pleas to be reasonable, that I'm not finished, that I still have rollers in my hair. As I wind into the living room, her voice grows closer, clearer. Though there are no words to make sense of, only a never-ending cry of agony. There must be a basement or something, a wine cellar, that would be very gin. I wander in a daze, opening every door I can find, searching for stairs that lead down, but surface nothing. It makes no sense. This can't be in my imagination, though. I can hear her, screaming and howling as though she's being tortured, as clear as I hear my own voice. I'm so sorry, girl. I get how hard this is. I do. The makeup artist says as he drags me to a chair in front of the fireplace and tugs the rollers from my hair. You're on in three minutes. Please, just hold still so I can finish or it's my ass, okay? I nod, still lost in my days. Her cries are loudest here by the fireplace, I turn over my shoulder, ignoring his annoyed size as I do. It's Jen. I know it's her. She's there somewhere. I wished her an eternity burning in hell yesterday, and now I'm listening to the soundtrack of my wish come true. A black and white portrait glares down at me from above the mantel. I shrink in the chair. God, what have I done? Before there's time to answer, a news anchor sits before me. Blinding lights blink on. A fluffy microphone hangs above my head. The news anchor boasts a head of perfectly manicured black hair and a matching suit with a crimson tie. He narrows his eyes at me as someone announces that we're rolling. Oh, God, what am I doing? Ellie Simpson, he says. Uh-huh. You were Jennifer Campbell's girlfriend for how long? For the first time, I notice Judy, 
leaning against a wall behind him, her arms crossed, eyes shimmering. She holds a tissue at the ready. Let's see. I try to think. I know this. It's easy. Over three years? Almost four. How did you meet? A friend introduced us at a gallery opening. He waits, wanting more, but that's all I have to offer. And what was she like? You know, normal, I guess. Down to earth? I snort. No, she was normal, like she could be charming and fun, but she had her issues, just like everyone else. Money and fame didn't change that. What sort of issues did she have? It would be easier to list the issues she didn't have. But before I can say so, Jen's screams erupt from the fireplace once more. I shudder and twist in my seat. There must be a way down. She needs help. Ellie? Excuse me? What sort of issues did she have? You know, body image issues, eating disorder, drugs sometimes, drinking all the time, depression. Usually her depression was caused by drinking. She could be wonderful, but she was imperfect, just like everyone. But she was also functioning, which made it harder to help her. Her screams rise an octave. I leap to my feet and storm to the fireplace, fumbling my hands over the bricks, looking for a lever, a concealed button, anything. Ellie? The anchor calls me. What? Please sit. We're not finished. Don't you hear her? We'll get to that in a moment. What did you say? I said we'll get to that in a moment. I turn, slowly. My knees wobble, unable to hold me up much longer. What's happening to me? I fall in the chair, limbs going numb. This is wrong. This is all wrong. The anchor's lips widen into a Cheshire grin, all horizontal, no tilt upwards. His dark eyes gleam reflecting the red of his tie. How many times did she warn you? Warn me what? That she would kill herself if you broke up with her. I, I, what? I glance to Judy for help. She wipes the tears from her face, but doesn't come to my aid like I hope. How many times, Ellie? The anchor asks again. I don't know. I lost count. He nods slowly. And what did you do that last time when you finally abandoned her? What do you mean? Did you call anyone? Did you ask anyone to be with her, to keep an eye on her? I fight against the ache in my throat. Well, I thought she'd be fine. So you didn't. It wasn't my fault. You aren't sure about that. 
I am. Then why are we here, Ellie? Her screams crescendo. The bricks of the chimney rumble. Plaster rains from the ceiling above. There's something wrong with me. This isn't happening. It can't be. Outside, the sun dips below the horizon, casting the sky in a red, hellish hue that falls inside, carving out the hollows of the anchor's face. This is what you wanted. No, I say, shaking my head. You wanted her gone. No, I scream and slap my hands against my ears, squeezing my eyes shut. This isn't happening. I've snapped. I'm trapped in a hospital right now, probably wearing a straitjacket, lost in my own mind. That's rational. The day you buried her, you told her to burn in hell, the anchor says. I didn't mean it. I was angry. Open your eyes, Ellie. Now. I shake my head. No. Guards, he says, his voice pitching an octave higher. A set of burly hands pry mine from my ears. Another set pries my eyelids open. We aren't in Jen's living room anymore, but a dungeon or cavern of some kind. Stone walls lined with shackles. Jen's screams are louder and shriller than before, echoing all around us. The man sitting across from me has shed his suit for a judge's dress, a white wig atop his head. Sitting next to him, Judy. Tears drip from her chin, fat as raindrops in a storm. Her eyes are cold and gray as she regards me. How do you find the defendant? He asks. Guilty. Judy replies, her eyes burning holes into me. We hereby sentence you for life. No. My scream blends with Jen's. Sweat slides down my face as flames erupt around me. They crackle and jump, licking my skin. Something touches my hand, cool against this unbearable heat. I turn and find Jen, her hand wrapped around mine, her jaw unhinged in a mirror of my own. But she isn't screaming. Over the sizzle of my own flesh melting, I can hear her cry. Together forever, Ellie. You and me. Together forever. That was Evelyn Freeling's Together Forever, as read by Crystal Hammond. Crystal Hammond is a narrator-slash-writer, cancer survivor, and non-binary queer human. They grew up in rural North Carolina, nurtured by a steady diet of local Blackbeard legends and Confederate ghost stories. These nuggets of folktale and myth fostered a lifelong love of storytelling and all the drama that goes with it. 
they also have a master's degree in biological anthropology and adore ugly cats. Feel free to check out their narration website at crystalhammond.com or find them on Twitter at thekmhammond. Thank you, Crystal. Well, children of the night, the hour is late and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Amanda Carrillo, Amanda Gottfried, Kathy Robinson, Lessel Baxter, Orion D. Hegra, and Paul Belcher, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we plunge into the abyss for more Tales to Terrify. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. 